Welcome to a place of wellness and healing for both your body and mind. Get ready to live a happy, healthy, energized life that totally rocks. You're listening to Straight Talking Natural Health, a no BS podcast for busy women who want to ditch the fatigue, find balance and feel great with your host and naturopath, Jules Galloway. Activator Probiotics is an Australian company with a range of evidence-based, condition-specific probiotics. Their range includes clinically researched products and specific probiotic strains which target a number of different health concerns beyond the gut, including low mood, sleep, low iron, bone health and mild eczema. With an understanding of specific health effects of the gut microbiota, Activator Probiotics is helping practitioners improve the management of some of the most prevalent and chronic health concerns with probiotic solutions and education for their community. You can find out more by heading to activatedprobiotics.com.au or visit their Instagram and Facebook at Activated Probiotics. Today's guest is a complete microbiome nerd and passionate about educating people all about the far-reaching effects a healthy or unhealthy microbiome can have on the human body. She's back again for part three of my three-part series. When we were teeing up our interview at first, there were literally so many amazing topics being thrown around that we couldn't choose just one. Microbiome health is about so much more than just gut and poo symptoms or clearing bloating, IBS or constipation, although we know that they're important too. Today, we'll be talking about something that's very topical right now, something that's really peaked in the last two years because of COVID and lockdowns, and that is anxiety, depression and mental health issues. In case you missed the intro for this awesome woman in the last couple of weeks, here's a refresher. She is a speaker, a writer, an educator, and a qualified naturopath. She has more than 15 years of experience educating on all aspects of complementary and integrative health. She has lectured to undergraduate students in Australia, the UK, and the US, and delivered naturopathic education to healthcare practitioners all around the world. She's also the Director of Education at Activated Probiotics, so she's across all the latest studies and research. Please welcome back to the show for part three of our series, the very lovely Rebecca Edwards. Hello. Hello again, Jules. Welcome back. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. It's a really huge topic, this one, isn't it? We were just saying before we hit record that um, it's, it's a massive one at the moment and one that like so so many people are needing help with both practitioners and lay people out there and um and you've been right in the thick of it haven't you over the last little while with COVID because where do you live? Yes I'm lucky slash unlucky enough to live in Melbourne which Mm. seemed like a really good idea a few years ago um, and has felt like an increasingly less good idea um, (laughs) since, oh, about March 2020. Mm. So, yes, this is a topic that's really close to my heart. The, you know, the, the, I guess, the mental health effects that so many people in Australia have been experiencing over the past 18 months or so as a result of, you know, that that very overused word, unprecedented, unprecedented Unprecedented. world events. Yeah. Yeah. And look, it's it how long had you lived in Melbourne for before the shit hit the fan? Yeah, good question. So I felt like I was just hitting my stride. Um uh, we moved to Melbourne oh four or so years ago. So I'd had two years. Um and I'd never lived in Melbourne before. We were we were living over in San Francisco, California, and my husband was offered a, a very wonderful job here in Melbourne. And I thought, well, that sounds like a good idea. Melbourne is all about all the things I love. It's all about food and culture and going out and fun stuff. And that was true for the first couple of years, but the next couple of years it's been about the four walls of my lounge room. Yeah. And as I mean, it's not just Melbourne. We know it's Sydney as well and so many other places around Australia and around the world that every time people go into lockdown and then out of lockdown and then in and then out of lockdown, it just has massive, massive impacts on people's mental health, doesn't it? Well, yeah, it really does. And that's, you know, it's really evident with, like I was saying to you before, before we were recording, my my own 10-year-old child, he's a great example. He 
really, really suffered so much during lockdown emotionally. And when he was finally able to return to school a couple of weeks ago, he they did a staged return kind of thing. He was back at school for two days. And then my non-sleeping child slept for the third day. He was just utterly exhausted and over, I guess, overstimulated. You know, he, he'd gone from spending essentially a year and a half in a room with his parents and no one else to being back at school with classrooms full of kids and noise and lights and colors and changes and if that's if that's what it's doing to a 10 year old who you know is can actually feel the freedom to express that what's it doing to all these adults who are trying to hold it all together for the kids and for everyone else absolutely and i think also with with the situation as it's been i think a lot of people thought that once the lockdown's over and everyone's back out, problem solved, right? And that's not necessarily the case. Like what I'm already seeing as a practitioner, even only a few weeks in when everyone's let back out, is you see these rises in, especially in anxiety um, and also fatigue, but I think fatigue is related back to all the emotional stuff that's going on. Sleep disturbance in general, that's what I've been hearing, you know, so much from practitioners and patients out there is disrupted sleep both, you know, during the height of the lockdowns in the pandemic and, you know, post kind of pandemic extremity, so many people are really experiencing disruptions to, I guess, their circadian rhythm and then, you know, everything that goes along with that. I mean, I'm sure you would be familiar with this, that during lockdown all these medical people and social commentators were talking about the fact that people were reporting dreaming so much more during lockdown, Mm. which is just so weird Mm. It is. It's that's really odd because if anything, you're being less stimulated. Yes. Well, that's what my um my son's psychologist said. Actually, she said the reason we're dreaming so much more is because basically our brain our brain needs a certain amount of stimulation during the day, and if we're not getting it through leaving the house and seeing new things and interacting with people and having conversations, then basically our brain you know goes on a bit of a uh, takes itself for a a walkabout during the night, <laughs> and um you know goes and creates its own adventures, which I thought was a pretty cool explanation. That's really cool, actually. <laughs> it's like um, I used to, I, I now have a very uh, senior cattle dog, so she's not so crazy. But I used to have a little Staffy uh, years ago who was extremely active. And if we didn't walk her for an hour and a half in the morning, she would stand in front of you and chase her tail. So maybe the mind's doing like a little bit of that. Yeah. And, and an, an analogy that I kind of equated it to was it's a bit like, it's a bit like your immune system. You know, when you don't give your immune system enough to do, like we talked about in previous episodes, when kids don't don't come into contact with as many microbes and, you know, bugs and lurgies as they should in their first couple of years of life, the immune system starts to play up and, uh, you know, attack itself or attack its own body. And, yeah, I can see that with your, you know, both with the picture of your dog chasing her tail and our brains who are like, well, I haven't had enough to do today. I'll just create some mischief over here. And that's, you know, it turns out that's what your immune system does too. Yeah, not only have we been locked down away from the dirt and and some of the outdoorsy kind of microbes, we've also been bathing ourselves in hand sanitizer as well. So what does that do to a microbiome? Yeah, and unfortunately that was identified even long before the world even knew the word COVID. Um, Personal use of antibacterial care products has been linked with a whole range of, uh, you know, allergic atopic type conditions like asthma and eczema. So, yeah, I think we've got the next pandemic is likely to be in um, immune dysregulation. Yeah. And so... With all the mental health stuff, the thing that really gets me, though, is that COVID and lockdown and all that's been going on in the world, it's brought all of this to the surface and really turned it up to 11. But mental health issues were already on the rise even before COVID came along, right? Yeah, that's right. And Australia has not been spared from that. We're generally seen as a really, you know, the lucky country, um, the place of sun and sand and beaches and easygoing lifestyle. But Australia has not performed terribly well in world indexes of mental health and life satisfaction. 
um, Australia, along with many other first world developed nations, has uh, an unacceptably high suicide rate, for example. And there are a, a heck of a lot of people in Australia, even before the pandemic, who have been prescribed various medications to assist with their mental wellness. So it hasn't always been the case that, you know, oh, we were happy and then COVID came along and ruined everything. It's, well, as a nation, we were already, you know, possibly struggling. And then this unprecedented worldwide event came and just highlighted all the gaps that we were at risk of falling through. Yeah, right. So million-dollar question, I know, but why is this issue becoming more prevalent? Oh, gosh. Yeah, how long How long a list do we want? Yeah. I guess, <laughs> but I guess, 45 yeah. minutes. <laughs> Go. <laughs> I've, I've already promised to be on my best behaviour and not talk too much, but it um, the an area that's really certainly close to to my heart in terms of research and professional interest and an area that's gaining a lot of attention in research and in media is the gut brain connection the connection between what's going on with what's going on inside our digestive tracts and how is that connected with our mental and emo- emotional well-being and it's it's not as simple as you are what you eat you know we've known for a long time that there's a big connection between diet and mental wellness, but it turns out that it's a lot more complex than that. It's not just about the food you put in. It's also about what else is in your digestive tract. And of course, we're talking about the microbiome, the community of microbial life that exists on the lining of your digestive tract, mainly your large digestive tract. Turns out it has a pretty significant role to play in how you sleep, how you manage emotions, and essentially how happy you feel. Yep. And we inherit a lot of our microbiome as well, don't we? Yeah, that's right. I mean, inherit is an interesting word because it kind of implies that genetics are at play and it's possibly not genetics so much as, well, I guess, you know, contact and closeness. The human microbiome begins to form when you're in utero. And, you know, again, we used to have this idea that babies were sterile inside their mums, that the uterus was a sterile environment and that amniotic fluid had no microbial life. We now know this isn't exactly true. Um, yeah, but in hindsight, it just seems like no. why? <laughs> why? Been on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now that we know that there is, you know, there's a lot of, of light being shone on the, the female reproductive microbiome and it turned, you know, we've always known that vaginas are full of microbes for example. Um, But unsurprisingly, those microbes do um, exist in the lining of the uterus and um, the baby begins to form its own microbiome as, as it forms. And, you know, this is kind of borne out in research showing us that, for example, pregnant women who uh, are prescribed antibiotics during pregnancy, we know that this changes the lifetime risk of allergic conditions in that developing baby, for example. We know that when, again, pregnant women are given antibiotics during labour in that intrapartum period, um, once again, we know that this raises the the risk of those allergic atopic-type conditions, but it also is associated with things like reflux and colic in a new baby. So it's it's probably not so much that we inherit the genes around our microbiome, it's that we uh, are given our mother's microbiome through that, you know, that gestational development period, but also the mode of delivery too. And this is, you know, this is something that is being talked about a lot now. We know that there's a difference in microbial colonization um, in babies, whether they come out through the birth canal or whether they come out via the, the sunroof, the cesarean section. The sunroof. Uh, Um, it's you know it's babies who are vaginally delivered have a different proliferation of microbes um, over the first few days of life babies who come out of the sunroof their microbiome resembles more of an adult skin microbiome for those first few days and researchers are still really learning what the significance of that is and how it may affect the development of their own digestive microbiome again it's been known for a long time that babies who are cesarean delivered 
again, have that higher risk of um, allergic conditions throughout their childhood and actually their life, but they also have a higher risk of autoimmune conditions throughout their life and a whole lot of other things as well that at first glance don't seem related to whether you come out of a vagina or not, like adult obesity and also mental health. You know, there is there is growing evidence that once again mode of delivery as well as mode of milk feeding um, influence your adult mental health presentation too which is fascinating Mm. and that's pretty scary for a lot of us I'm sure who are listening to this who know you know as a child like you know I know I know I was bottle fed for example, and yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of people who would be sitting. Absolutely. I mean, it's going, also. I was a cesarean. It's also confronting for those of us who are mothers. My baby came out the sunroof. I didn't, there was no, you know, I tried my best for a good 48 hours, but there was no other way he was coming out. So that that was something I had no control over. And that is now, you know, something that I am aware of through, you know, through my education and professional knowledge. My first thoughts were, well, poor little, poor little sucker starting life with this, you know, almost this debt of risk. But it was either that or not start life at all because there was no way he was coming out. Um, and then he, as, as a result of that long, long labor and really quite, frankly, quite awful birth. Um, He then had, he developed neonatal septicemia and he started his life on a week of IV antibiotics. You can imagine for a naturopath's baby, that was, that was a big, a big kick in the guts, the guts that had just been cut open. So it, you know, it wasn't a great start for him, but that's, that's something that I couldn't change. So what, you know, what do I know that I can help him with? I could help him with, with, you know, milk. And I worked really hard to establish breastfeeding and I actually ended up breastfeeding him for four and a half years. And, you know, I, that's something that I am really proud of that I felt that every mouthful he was taking was immune modulating goodness, as well as directing the development of his own microbiome. And I'm you know really pleased to say he is literally the healthiest child I have ever met in my life. Um, awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I don't want mothers to feel like, or anyone listening to this, to feel like you, you know, your child is starting way behind the starting line. If you have a birth that doesn't go to plan, if you, or you know, that does go to plan, but is a, a cesarean delivery, if you have challenges around breastfeeding, etc., that doesn't mean that your, you know, your child's immune development or mental health is always going to be forever compromised. There is so much you can do by having a look at the microbiome and having a look at the research around specific strains of probiotics and what we can do to assist there. Yeah. So can you go into a little bit of detail, please, as to like we know there's a gut-brain connection. Everyone bangs on about the gut-brain connection. But can you describe like how the microbiome in the gut is affecting the mental health? Like where, like what's it doing? How is it yeah. sending these messages to the brain? Well, there are so many different ways of looking at it. I mean, the first, I guess on the most superficial level, you know, we all know that eating different foods can affect the way we feel. You know, ask ask any premenstrual woman and she'll tell you how chocolate and ice cream make her feel better. So mm-hmm. there's, you know, there's the the immediate emotional comfort of what you're eating, but it goes it goes a lot more, a lot more deeper than that. You know, the gut brain axis is the term that's used a lot. And that really refers to the bi-directional communication between the gut and the brain. And when we say bi-directional, we, you know, we mean that it's going both ways. The gut affects the composition of the microbiome and the brain, um, you know, at the brain. So the, so the, the microbiome then affects what's going on in the brain and the brain also affects the motility as well as the microbiome of the gut. And that's kind of really represented quite easily when you can think of that old saying, having butterflies in your tummy. Everyone who's felt nervous or excited about something has felt that visceral feeling in their digestive tract. And, you know, a lot of people will also talk about how they get get the runs or get diarrhea when they're nervous. So we know that there is this 
channel of communication. It involves complex interrelationships between many biological systems. So the gastrointestinal system, obviously, the nervous system of which the brain is the king, the immune system, which is largely located in the lining of the digestive tract, the endocrine system, there's an awful lot of hormones involved in regulating digestion, as well as obviously mental health, and the circulatory system. So the, you know, the I guess a way of looking at it more deeply is referring to the gut microbiota brain axis, and that really considers the coordinating and modulatory role of the microbial system. So this is looking at both direct and indirect communication between gut bacteria and the brain. When we talk about the gut bacteria and what it does, um, once again, there's a couple of ways of looking at it. Um, we know that, you know, gut microbes demonstrate the ability to create and also modulate or control many different factors in the gut, whether they're metabolic, immunological, neurochemical or hormonal. There was a really key study that was done in the year 2016, and it's got a brilliant title for a, a scientific research study. They're normally pretty dry, but this one has a great title. It's called Transferring the Blues. And a team nice. of researchers, yeah, it's good. A team of researchers led by Kelly um, found, and this oh, it's kind of it's awful to talk about, but it's so fascinating. They took a collection of healthy mice and they gave them fecal transfers from humans with depression. And what they found was that these previously healthy mice, once they'd received these fecal transfers, they began to exhibit symptoms of anxiety and depression. And the only thing that had changed was the composition of their microbiome. And this study made a huge splash in the world of medical research because really for the first time, it really clearly illustrated, you know, in, I would say in black and white, but in, in actual life, the difference that just changing the type of bugs living in your digestive tract has on your demonstrated, you know, demonstrated mental health. So interesting. Wow. Do they know, did they they really go into detail about what it was about, you know, what was in that fecal transplant? Like well, that was that was, was kind of the, the that was really the pilot study that that really shone a light on the fact that more research was needed and there's still more research needed. What we know is that there are lots of different mechanisms via which changing that microbial composition can have an impact on mental health. The first thing is, you know, like you and I have talked about on previous previous discussions we've had, that when, when you have bacteria living inside your digestive tract, as we all do, or when you take a bacterial supplement, like a probiotic or a bacterial food, like a fermented food, you know, kombucha or anything like that, the bacteria themselves don't leave your digestive tract. They don't cross the barrier to enter your bloodstream. They stay either in the lining of the digestive tract or they keep on moving through. And, you know, it's again, it's a little bit of a myth about probiotic supplements that they kind of take up residence in your digestive tract and change the composition of your microbiome. They don't. When you take a probiotic supplement, the bacteria that you're swallowing doesn't live inside you. It just passes through and out the other end. But again, it it's what it does while it's in you that's important. So you don't have bacteria in your bloodstream or traveling to your organs, uh, but while they are in your digestive tract, they're interacting with a lot of those different systems. One thing that they're doing is they are, you know, fermenting or using, using the contents of your digestive tract as fuel sources to, um, to metabolize, to perform their own metabolic processes. And when they do this, they produce, you know, what we call metabolites or byproducts of them feeding on your food, if you like. The most researched um, type of these byproducts that they produce are short-chain fatty acids. And there's a particular short-chain fatty acid called butyrate, which has been heavily researched for its ability to modulate behavior. It's been found that butyrate can 
you know, can alter the expression of different chemicals associated with depression and butyrate, people with higher levels of butyrate being produced in their digestive tract um, have been found to exhibit less in the way of depressive-like behaviour. So really what we want to have a think about is how can we encourage the production of more butyrate and other potentially beneficial short-chain fatty acids? And there are very specific strains of bacteria that have been found to do that. Other things that are going on inside your digestive tract, um, endocrine modulation, so hormone modulation. The gut microbes have been shown to influence appetite. And again, there's quite a lot of research on the presence or absence of particular communities of microbes in people who naturally present with a more slim physique or have a higher BMI. Um, you know, there are, there's definitely now a lot of research, particularly in the US, um, looking at how altering your microbiome can assist with weight loss or weight management. Um, so that's another way of looking at the relationship between the microbiome and, you know, other aspects of health. And then to bring that back to mental health, we can also add in the fact that there are lots of links between obesity and depression, for example. Um, and a lot of them are, are kind of underlined by a word that I don't believe I've used yet in this conversation, Jules, inflammation. Ooh, we knew it was coming. Um, Oh, it's always coming. It's always the baddie hiding, hiding in the cupboards or, you know, hiding in the large intestine in this case. Um, inflammation, you know, we've, we've talked about this a lot and every, you can't really have a conversation about the microbiome without talking about inflammation. But likewise, you can't have a conversation about mental health without talking about inflammation. They are intrinsically linked. For a long, long, long time, we've known that many chronic conditions have an underlying driver of inflammation like cardiovascular disease, like, you know, autoimmune diseases, for example, like rheumatoid arthritis, like um, psoriasis, like Hashimoto's thyroiditis. But it turns out that depression is also closely correlated with inflammation. People with higher levels of um, kind of systemic inflammatory markers are more likely to be diagnosed with depression. So again, it's no surprise that something like uh, your microbiome, which we know is related to managing inflammation in the immune system, can be also related to mental health. For a long time, there was a bit of excitement about the presence and production of serotonin in the digestive tract. And, you know, it's a, it's a really interesting, often quoted fact in, you know, quiz nights and things. Remember quiz nights before, oh, before yeah. we all had mobile phones with all, you know, the answers to everything in our pockets. Uh, like a, a really popular quiz night question would be what's the, you know, where in the body produces the most serotonin? And everyone's like, oh, serotonin, brain. But it's not. It's the digestive tract. And for a long time there was a lot of interest in the digestive production of serotonin and how this can be related to mental health. But we've never been able to find, I say we, I'm not involved in this research, but researchers have never been able to find a real connection between gastrointestinal production of serotonin and mental health. And, you know, serotonin, it's, it's a, as a, as a hormone, it cannot cross the blood brain barrier. So the serotonin that you produce in your intestinal tract never ends up in your brain. And we don't currently believe that it has an influence on mental health. It's more likely that serotonin signaling and production in the digestive tract is more related to IBS-like presentations. And that may be one of the reasons why one of the treatment pathways for people with IBS can sometimes be antidepressant-like drugs because they're modulating the serotonin in the digestive tract. But, you know, that's, that's kind of another story. What, what the microbiome can do, though, is it can modulate expression of um, receptors, uh, like GABA receptors, um, potentially, and this may have a role to play in, in managing uh, mental health presentation. So it's all, you know, I guess it's a, 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 just another illustration of how all of the different systems in the body are linked and you really can't break the body up into discrete systems. They're all working together. 
Some researchers believe that the vagus nerve may be involved as well. And the vagus nerve is one of the longest pathways of communication in the body. It runs from the central nervous system kind of all the way through the thoracic and um, down into the abdominal areas. And, you know, again, there's quite a lot of talk and I'm sure that, you know, you've You've talked to other people about this, about vagus nerve stimulation and the role it can play in IBS-like presentations like SIBO, um, you know, um, anxiety. And researchers are currently exploring the role that the gut-brain axis may be playing in vagus nerve um, stimulation, that there's a theory that different microbial metabolites, so those byproducts of microbes feasting on your digestive contents, can stimulate the vagus nerve. They can, and then this can promote social like behavior and reduce anxiety like and depressive like behavior. So, vagus nerve stimulation can essentially make you feel more emotionally stable. And there's a chance that your microbiome may be involved in this. So there are lots of different ways that the microbiome, the bacteria, the digestive tract may be helping to regulate what's going on in your brain and your mind. Yeah, and we think that vagus nerve shutdown after trauma is something that we see a lot. Yes. In so if we think that trauma can shut down this, the vagus nerve you know, the signaling or it does something to that, that pathway, then, then we might be able to find new ways of uh, getting it going again. Yeah, that's right. And it's, you know, it's certainly something I've talked about with um, practitioners who, you know, who really focus on those digestive presentations like SIBO about how helping to regulate vagus nerve activity is a big part of their kind of clinical, um, you know, treatment. So to be developing the understanding that the microbiome or certain strains of probiotic may be having an influence on the vagus nerve, I feel like this is almost the next frontier. You know, it's pretty exciting. I think the vagus nerve is, is going to have its moment, like in a big way, <laughs> along with butyrate. I think next year like, we're going to be hearing a lot about butyrate as well around the traps. They're the two sort of rising stars of, of this scene, I think, at the moment. Oh, I can be on board with that for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that they're both like things that we didn't know about 10, 15 years ago or didn't understand 10 to 15 years ago in the way that we do now. And now they're, they're really coming to the forefront of, of the way that we design treatment plans. So it's really cool. I love how all of that is evolving as the science evolves. Me too. And I feel like it's it's almost bringing us to a new partnership between scientific understanding and the naturopathic philosophy because it's really helping us to refine treatment. And I feel like in the future we're going to be looking at mental and emotional wellness presentations less in the terms of, oh, you know, your presentation reaches, you know, meets this criteria for diagnosis, this is your diagnosis, and this is the course of treatment that your doctor is going to prescribe you to really allow us instead to be more like, well, you know, the way that you're presenting and the way that you're feeling is indicating that there may be some microbial dysregulation going on. So let's get in there and find out what's happening with your microbiome. And we may be able to use you know, a less blunt instrument when it comes to treatment, as in we may be able to use a very specific strain of probiotic or a combination of such um, to help get things back on a more even keel rather than going in for a first-line therapy that has an awful lot more side effects and a lot more risk attached to it. So I'm pretty excited. Yes, yeah, speaking of those therapies, how do things like antidepressant medications and anxiety medications affect the microbiome and does this mean they can tip the balance even further and, and make the existing issue worse? It's a good question. And a lot of people do find that, you know, there are, that there are differences in how they feel that are not just related to um, their, you know, their mental health presentation. Interestingly, the largest group of side effects of selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors or the most commonly prescribed class of antidepressants 
the largest presentation of side effects are gastrointestinal. So that's one of the reasons that people give when they decide not to continue with the prescribed medication, you know, when they have these discussions with their doctors about changing the type of medication they're taking or moving away from a prescribed SSRI is the, they find the side effects unacceptable. And a lot of those side effects are around gastrointestinal presentation. So they're very likely to be things like diarrhea, abdominal pain, um, real changes in motility. So changes in the way the digestive tract muscle moves, contributing to pain and bowel irregularity. We don't fully understand the effect that these drugs have on microbial compositions themselves, but we do know that a lot of people who are taking medication for clinically diagnosed psychiatric presentations find that their diet changes and their body shape and size change as well. And both of these factors will be having an impact on the microbiome itself too. You know, you and I have talked before, and it's it's a wide known, widely known kind of thing that you the way you alter your microbiome composition is not through taking probiotic supplements, it's through what you're eating. And if the type of medication that you're taking is affecting the food you are then consuming, your microbiome will be changing in response to that. If you're someone who has, you know, previously had a, a good appetite, who has eaten a wide variety of fruit and vegetables, and then find that when you take an SSRI or other psychiatric medication, the appetite changes and your desire for fresh fruit and vegetables um, diminishes, which a lot of people, you know, report finding, um, then this is going to change the availability of fiber substrates available for those microbes who live inside you to ferment on. And it's going to change the production of things like what we, what we were just talking about, butyrate and other microbial metabolites, those which may be stimulating the vagus nerve, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's possibly less about the drugs themselves affecting the microbiome and more how the drugs affect your behavior and um, body composition and how that goes on to affect microbial change. Do you reckon we will find a way of working in with the medication? So like, because, you know, sometimes if, if people need the meds, they need the meds. Absolutely. Like, like we're, yeah. not, we're, we're not sitting here going, oh, no, I shouldn't be taking that. Not like, at all. If you, if Especially at the moment, like if you need it, you need it. Great. But is there anything do you think we'll find that we can do alongside the medications to help, you know? Well, this is, that's, that's a really great question. And it's, you know, it's an area where there's always had to be really delicate movement because a lot of, there are a lot of factors which can affect the metabolism of medications like antidepressants. And, you know, those of us who have been in the naturopathic space for a long time will know um, that Herbal medicine, for example, can be very tricky to work with when a patient is medicated for depression or anxiety or insomnia because so many herbal medications can influence the production of specific uh, enzymes in the liver, which can alter the way medications are used in the body. And this kind of really sets the scene for, well, what is there an intervention that can be helpful looking at the gut microbiome axis, you know, gut, gut brain axis, which is not going to interfere with the metabolism of drugs? And probiotics offer a really viable choice here. Probiotics generally are seen as a great adjunct for um, mental health medications for precisely the reason that, you know, that I've mentioned earlier in this conversation, that they don't enter the bloodstream because they stay in the digestive tract. They do not go through the liver. They do not influence the production of those enzymes in the liver, and they therefore do not have a direct impact on the metabolism of drugs like SSRIs or uh, sleeping medications or anti-anxiety drugs. So the, I feel like the next, you know, the next frontier of co-administrative um, supplements or interventions is going to be with probiotics. And again, it kind of really sets the scene for why, why well-conducted clinical research is so important 
in the world of the gut microbiome axis. Because when we use the word probiotic, what are we what are we talking about? You know, it's become it's become used almost as an umbrella term just to mean anything that has has or has had live bacteria in it. And in the you know in a more clinically researched space we can see that different strains of probiotic have been found to have different effects in the body so it's really important to understand exactly what strain of probiotic you're taking in and what that strain has been researched to achieve in someone you know in someone's gut brain axis in the presentation so let's talk about strains again like we did last time because I know you're across all the latest nerdy research. So what's the latest? What are the strains that we're, we're looking at and, and what do they do? So there's a combination of strains that has been put through um, a randomised uh, placebo-controlled clinical trial and found to have a measurable impact on mental health presentation. There's four strains in this combination. I'll give you their, their long, fancy names. There's mm-hmm. Lactobacillus plantarum LP01, LMGP21021. There's Lactobacillus rhamnosus LR06, DSM21981. There's Bifidobacterium longum 04, DSM23233. And Lactobacillus fermentum LF16, DSM26956. So for short, we can just call them LP. Got that, everyone? You got that? Exactly. There's going to be a test on this shortly. <laughs> you know what? I could pass that test, Jules. Such is the level of my ridiculous geekery that, um, um, honestly, it's, it's completely ridiculous, um, but I, I just live and breathe all of these strains and I feel like I know them almost like they're friends and they've all got different personalities to me because they're all doing different things and, oh, my goodness, I'm just digging a bigger hole here. I'm just... Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to give you some more rope. There you go. Keep going. I, did, I, did I mention how much fun I am at dinner parties? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so this combination of very specific strains has been put through a, you know, a, a, I guess a properly conducted clinical trial where trial participants have been divided into um, into a placebo group and an active intervention group. And it was a double-blind clinical trial so that neither the participants nor the researchers working with them knew if they were taking the probiotic combination or if they were taking an identical tasting and looking placebo. Um, All of the trial participants underwent a huge battery of tests to ultimately come up with um, scores for different aspects of mental health. So they had a score for low mood, a score for feeling of anger, a score for sleep quality, a score for cognitive fatigue, you know, how, how easy you find it to learn and to think and perform your normal tasks. And what the researchers found was that those taking the probiotic combination had a dramatic improvement in their scores across all of these measurements within three weeks of taking the probiotic combination. It's interesting to note that the placebo group also had an improvement in these scores, but it was less pronounced. And after the conclusion of the trial, so they took this intervention every day for six weeks. At the end of the six weeks, they just finished taking what they were taking Um, And they went about their normal daily life, but they had another check-in with the researchers three weeks after they'd finished taking their probiotic or their placebo, and they underwent the same battery of tests. And what they found was that those who had been in the probiotic group still had ongoing improvement. Their scores were lower again. And these, the people who were in the placebo group, their scores had gone right back up again. And that's, that's why we have a placebo group in clinical trials so that we can see that when they finish taking their intervention, which they don't know what it is for all they know, it could be the active intervention, they're no longer prone to that placebo feeling of, well, I'm taking this, so it must be doing me some good. Maybe it's the active. Whereas those who'd taken the probiotic product their bodies continued to modulate themselves. And that's that's so exciting for us 
working in the microbiome space because it really showed us that probiotics work in exactly the way we think they work by making the body more balanced. And it's an ongoing effect. Probiotics work not just on the day you take them. They continue to help your body work more towards that kind of ideal position of balance. So it's highly likely that these probiotics were continuing to reduce inflammation, continuing to see a production in those goodies like butyrate and antimicrobial peptides continuing to see activation of the vagus nerve perhaps and just continuing to help the body bring itself back more to a state of balance and optimal mental wellness i guess um so it's you know it's very very encouraging to see well conducted clinical trials on specific strains of probiotics with such exciting outcomes so based on this research which mental health conditions specifically are, you know, are things that we could consider that combination for? It's really, it's really uh, tricky because they're in, certainly in Australia, there are laws around um, being able to claim that a, a natural medicine can treat specific conditions. And one of those conditions is depression. So we are unable to say, oh, probiotics can treat depression. What we can say is that this combination of probiotics has been found to decrease feelings of low mood. So certainly people who are experiencing low mood are likely to benefit. People who are experiencing sleep disturbance are likely to benefit people who are experiencing cognitive fatigue, so who are finding it hard to, you know, make decisions, um, you know, making mistakes with their work, getting times wrong, things like that, um, are also likely to benefit from an intervention which can help to regulate um, the gut-brain axis. So, you know, to sum that up, we would say, yeah, people who are feeling low, who are feeling tired, who are not sleeping well, and once again, you know, the beauty of a, an intervention with a high safety profile like probiotics is that they can also be taken by people who are medicated for depression or anxiety or insomnia or any combination of the above or anything else. You know, again, your listeners will, I'm sure, all be very aware that there are certain medications uh, with which you have to be very careful what nutrients or other supplements you take, like warfarin, for example. Probiotics are not contraindicated with warfarin. Once again, because they're not going into the bloodstream, they're not disrupting liver enzyme pathways, so they're not contraindicated with any particular type of medication. Same is true for things like contraceptives. And, you know, the same is true for pregnant and breastfeeding women as well, that a lot of new mums and mums-to-be are concerned about taking substances which may pass through the placenta or through breast milk. Once again, probiotics don't do that because they're never in the bloodstream in the first place. So it's, you know, it's a great, it's a great research space to keep an eye on um, if you're looking for those, those low-risk interventions um, which have been clinically trialled. And do you think that kids would benefit from those same strains or do you think that they're going to end up needing something different and maybe we don't have the research on that yet? There's research coming for sure. There's some really interesting research that I know of that's going to be kicking off early in the new year, looking at specific strains of probiotics and children's cognitive development and the way that that affects their uh, behavior as well. So it's it's just so beautiful to be working in this space at the moment when there is an explosion of interest by researchers wanting to know how specific strains of probiotic can affect different outcomes. So the research is coming for sure. In the meantime, because we know that probiotics do have this high safety profile, um, it's certainly not contraindicated for children of any age to take, um, to take this combination of probiotics. Mm-hmm. I'd, um, I'd be really interested in, I'm, I'm hoping like there'll be some research around sort of 
more, more research around probiotics and things like ASD and ADHD, yes. et cetera. Cause that's There's a like, lot of call for that. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Every yeah. day. And not just kids, but adults yeah. too. Like I see, you know, a lot of adults now with ADHD and I can just see like that gut brain connection in, in all of them. But yeah, there's this, this this is going to explode. I think this. Yeah, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of anecdotal feedback from clinicians working in that you know in that space with uh, with both adults and children on the ASD spectrum and you know with ADHD and other other um, you know neurodevelopmental presentations that that a whole range of different probiotic strains have been found to be helpful. And I, I feel like that comes back to the overarching themes that we see with the microbiome. You know, it comes back to inflammation. It comes back to integrity of gut lining. It comes back to regulation. So, yeah, it, it's so exciting to think that we're just going to be refining this research one clinical trial at a time to really help us understand how specific strains are, you know, are likely to have a measurable outcome come here awesome i reckon we'll have to get you back in in like a year from now and you can just top us up on like what all the latest research is across the board on on probiotics in general because i know like you've got your finger on the pulse i don't need to go looking for the research now i'm just gonna like call you (laughs) well luckily i'm always always happy to have a chat do you think (laughs) i didn't notice (laughs) you have to twist my arm to make me talk about you know oh specific strains of probiotics no 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 oh clinical trials please no uh no just kidding always yes the sad thing is when you were talking about being fun at dinner parties i was like actually i'd be really keen to go to that dinner party (laughs) you'll have to invite me yeah I'll host that dinner party. Get on up here, lady. (laughs) Well, you know, soon I'll be able to leave Melbourne, so I'll be all yours. Right? Yeah. Yeah, get on up here. All right, Rebecca Edwards, thank you so, so very much for all of your wisdom across three episodes, doing it all, I know, without cheat sheets. Your brain is a beautiful thing. So thank you very, very much for letting us, you know, go in there and, and pick that brain of yours. Oh, thank you for always, Jules, giving me the um, giving me the time to just um, have a good old chat. Good old chat. Thank you Anytime. so much. Thanks again to Activated Probiotics for sponsoring this episode. You can find out more about them and see the results of Rebecca's great work by visiting activatedprobiotics.com.au and their Instagram and Facebook at Activated Probiotics. I hope you enjoyed listening to Straight Talking Natural Health. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Also, head over to my website at julesgalloway.com. There's a free quiz on there to see if you're at risk of burnout. I also have an amazing ebook called Heal Your Adrenals, which is a must for any woman with adrenal dysfunction, aka adrenal fatigue. When I'm not podcasting, I'm seeing clients all over the world via Zoom. I love working with fatigue, thyroid issues, autoimmunity, pyrrole disorder, mold illness and complex cases to name just a few. So why not book in and let's work together. All of this and more is available right now over at julesgalloway.com. That's all from me for the time being. I look forward to diving in with you again in the next episode. Bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.